This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. Every now and then, uh, speaking requests come in where myself or Jay will go out and do a training. Recently, I did one for um, a good friend of ours, Lance and Karina Loken down in Houston. We did it for for their team, um, which is inside of Keller Williams. This was one of those uh, trainings that just touched my heart personally. So many people came up after saying for various reasons that this was the exact message that they needed to hear in their life. And it was one of those things where I just said, you know what, we've got to share this with the rest of the world because you weren't in the room. You didn't have the chance to be in the room for this one. And since we do the podcast, the whole point is to bring value to you. If you're interested in having us come and speak at your conference or your organization, go to the one thing.com slash about. There is a speaker submission page there and we can figure out if it'll be a fit or not. With that, let's get into the keynote that I did for the Loken Group down in Houston, Texas. How many of you have ever heard something that made you do this? That, that was me earlier this year. Uh, I was in a mastermind with Gary Keller, and he looked out at the room, and it was all the top agents across the country, and he looked at them and said, working long hours is cheating. And he paused. At that time, I looked around the room, and everybody's head kind of cocked to the side like a lost puppy dog. Like, and he said, working long hours is cheating because you can do the wrong activity. And if you work hard enough, if you hustle, which is very trendy right now, you can muscle your way to a result. It's cheating because you actually cheat yourself out of what it means to live a life. How many of you have been working really hard, knowing that you're not being as efficient as you possibly could be, and you end up cheating yourself out of an area of your life that really matters, whether that be your spirituality, your physical health, a relationship with somebody, your personal time. We've all done it. If you want to live a life of extraordinary results, it requires that you be as efficient and as effective as possible in the hours that you work. And at a pre-prescribed time, you shut it down and you actually go and live a life. Kind of interesting when we talk to agents about this, the idea of shutting it down and saying no to your customers if you're with your family, not being available 24-7 because that's working hard. That's not working smart. So what's the one thing that stops people from doing that? Well, we've found over the last two years working with about 3,000 people, very closely with them, I believe it comes down to a lack of clarity. If I were to look around the room and ask you, how many of you have absolute clarity on what your priorities are for this week. I'm not saying your to-do list. I'm saying the handful of really big rocks that matter most to you. How many of you, if I sat down and said, what are your priorities? You could say one, two, three, without hesitation. How many of you? One, the one person I looked at when I said that. Isn't that interesting? One person in the room actually knows what their priorities are for this week without hesitation. How many of you have gone through the day and you get out of a meeting, you get off a call, you get out of a listing appointment, and you ask the question, what should I be doing right now? And so you grab your phone because you got bored for half a second and you start checking email. Is that your 20% work? Is that the one thing that you can do such that by doing it makes everything else easier or unnecessary? Mm-hmm. Karina mentioned the 411. How many of you know what the 411 is? How many of you don't know what the 411 is? See, by now, I should have seen every hand go up at one of those. We're going to try it again. How many of you know what the 411 is? I'm going to ask for engagement. I ain't letting you off the hook. How many of you don't know what the 411 is? Okay. The 411 is a tool that we have internally that ensures that you have absolute crystal clear clarity on your priorities at any given time. What would change in your business if every single day, without question, you had absolute certainty on the handful of things that you must do, that if you just did those things, would produce extraordinary results in your life? Every single day. What do you think would change? Quality of life. Quality of life. What do you mean by that? Uh, More time with my family. More time with my kids. 
What would that do for you? Uh, emotionally just build me up and, and create a level of self-worth that would be breathtaking. Awesome. Great answer. Who else? What would happen if you had absolute clarity every single day on the things that mattered most? Lower blood pressure. Lower blood pressure? Okay. <laughs> and your ability to achieve your goals would be a lot easier pushing your goals even higher than probably what you even thought you could do. What would that mean for you? You can go a lot of different directions financially. It would be great. I mean, you can push yourself to make more money. Yeah. Which can allow you to do other things, mm-hmm. whatever your goals are in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us can think about what would change in our life if we had that level of clarity. Now, my question for you now, and this is kind of the accountability two by four, what's the excuse you're holding on to to justify your inaction? What's that excuse that you're holding on to? You're telling yourself the story that this is true. I have to be in my email. And it's justifying your inaction. You're giving yourself permission to choose to not have clarity every single day. Make no mistake about it. It is a choice. Whether a conscious choice or an unconscious choice, you are choosing to not have that level of clarity. So what do we do about that? This is something that's in Gary's office. I went in there and took a picture of it so that I could show it. Until my number one priority is done, everything else is a distraction. My very first day on the job, I'm in a mastermind with Gary, and I remember somebody looking at him and saying, why are you doing this? And he said, because my one thing is pouring into you. And anything that takes my time away from this is a threat. I just moved my family from Southern California. I'm going, oh, I'm a threat. (laughs) Kind of interesting, right? What would change in your life if you adopted that level of a mindset to the point where until your number one thing every single day is done, everything else is a distraction. You view it as a threat. Gary lives this way. Do you think that Gary gets to live this way because he's Gary Keller? Or do you think he's Gary Keller because he lives this way? Let's talk a little bit about goals. We find that most people have never really been trained how to properly set goals. What most of us do is we set goals based on what we think is doable. We ask the question, what's my current skill set? What am I currently comfortable with? What do I feel good about accomplishing this year? And you set a goal that's doable. Okay, at least you set a goal. Great. Now, some people, I have a feeling that many of the people on this team likely go out and do and set stretch goals. They look at what their current skill set is, what their current capacity and comfort zone is, and they push it to the outer end of that, and they set a goal there. It's not a layup. It's not like checking something off the to-do list. It's a stretch. Yet that's not where extraordinary results lie. What Gary does, and this is what, frankly, you guys are really lucky because I know Lance does this as well. They say, screw my comfort zone. Screw my current skill set. What's possible? What would it take to sell $2 billion of real estate by 2026? What would it take? Who's the people we, who are the type of people we'd have to become to earn the right to have five-star experience with every single one of our clients? It's going way out into the world of what's possible so they can look back on today and ask, how do I be appropriate in the moment? And that's what Gary says the purpose of a goal is, to be appropriate in the moment nothing more, nothing less, to have a vision of where you want to go so you can look back on right now and ask, how do I show up as the highest version of myself now? What are the habits I need to acquire to automatically carry me to those goals? There's a great quote in the book um, from FM Alexander. It's that people don't decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. Take a moment and think about your life. What are your big someday goals? What really matters to you? What are the habits that you can acquire such that by acquiring them would automatically carry you to that reality? Who's already having some ahas, right? It's the idea of thinking really big and going small. Thinking big about your vision and then going really small in your focus. Not waking up every single day think, looking at all the things that I need to do because that's treating everything like it matters equally. It's narrowing it down to the one thing that you should do, such that by doing it makes everything else easier and necessary. 
Let's talk about how we get clarity on that. I'm going to show you guys my 411. This is literally mine. 40,000 foot crash course on this. Um, you've got on the left hand side, your job or your personal or your, or your professional goals. On the right hand side, you have your personal. Why does it matter to set goals in both your business and your personal life? They're interconnected. So they're connected. Working long hours is cheating, right? Gary and Jay talk about this, the idea of um, if you imagine the different areas of your life as, as balls. You know, if you drop the work ball, it's a rubber ball. It bounces back. But if you drop spirituality, if you drop health, if you drop relationships, it doesn't bounce back. It's a glass ball. It shatters. Our society, we focus so much on this side. But you know what the number one reason is that somebody leaves an opportunity? It's usually because there's something going on in their personal world that they're not able to fulfill in their professional career. And so they leave. For those of you who manage other people as an effective leader, every week when I sit down with Jay Papazan to show him my 411, first place he goes is my personal. Yesterday, we spent 55 minutes talking about my personal finances. We didn't even get to business. Because he knows if I don't get that under control, nothing else matters. Interesting, right? So based on that, what do you need to accomplish this year? This is not a laundry list. This is not a to-do list. This is a must-do list. The handful of big rocks that really matter to make your year extraordinary. Notice how I only have four things. I run the whole company behind the one thing. I got a lot more than four things to do in a year. But these are the four things that matter. I got another list for all the other stuff, but I need focus. I need clarity on what my priorities are. You're going to hear us keep coming back to that. Okay. Then you ask the question, what would I need to accomplish this month to be on track for my year? I got a lot more to do than four things for the entire month. However, there are only four things that really matter. You starting to see the trend here? Then what do I need to do this week to be on track for the month? Again, I've got a lot more than four things, four categories to move this week. Yet, I think in two years, I can count the number of times that I've knocked all this out in one week on one hand. Isn't that interesting? You get clarity on three to five things that you absolutely must do in a week, and you almost never get it all done. Why do you think that is? Distractions. It's hard. Getting clarity on your priorities, number one, takes time, requires that you time block time to be by yourself to ask the tough questions about what really matters. And then to actually take action on them and silence the world around you, it's not easy. We don't live in a vacuum. We'll, we'll talk about how you eliminate those distractions. So let me show you this. That's the high-level overview of the 411. Let me show you how you reshape yours so that you start taking back control of 24 to 32 hours a month. And that's not a number that I just pulled out of you-know-what. That's actually based on metrics of working with 1,000 people over the last six months. The average person within 30 days of doing what I'm about to tell you will take back control of 24 to 32 hours a month that they were wasting that they now channel into their most important work. Interested? Yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> That's a, six to eight hours a week. You could take a day off. Number one mistake we see when people do their 411s is that when they write their goals, they are written as a result. You're probably thinking, Jeff, goals written as a result? That sounds correct. Um, yes, we want you to have clarity on the result that you desire. The challenge is, if you still have to ask the question, what do I need to do to accomplish that goal? Then you don't have clarity. I'm going to keep coming back to that word. Clarity. 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 The shift is instead of just saying, ooh, I want to get 1,500 active membership customers, what are the specific measurable activities I can do. Not that I feel like I should do. I'll be guilty if I don't do it. My wife will guilt trip me if I don't do it. I actually have the capacity to do it. Set yourself up for success. I know that if I send a personal video email to every single MAPS coach with very specific things, that's the lead domino. I know that if I host four trainings for leaders and coaching clients, that's a lead domino. Why do you think I'm standing here? I took two days away from my business to be here with you. And because they gave me one, <laughs> right? When we look at your 411, if we were to look at your goals, would we see a result? Or we, we see it written in a way that it would highlight the very specific activities you need to do to create that result. I want to take 40 listings. Great. How many phone calls do you need to make to take those 40 listings? 
right? It's going deeper and really getting clarity on the activity. Because when you have that level of clarity, what do you think happens to your personal accountability? There's no hiding, right? So that's step one. Are your goals highlighting a result or are they highlighting the actions that would generate the results? If you just did that one thing, that's already a huge, that's a tremendous win, all right? The second mistake that we see people make is they treat this like a to-do list and not a must-do list. It's very easy to list 20 things that you feel like you need to do this week. However, if I see more than five things on the week, I already don't feel good about this, by the way. That's already a lot. What would it take for you to have your 411 reflect a must-do list and not a to-do list? Who's wondering what I do with all the other stuff? How do I keep track of it? Right? What do I do with all the 80% stuff? That's, that's what the back of the 411 is for. I actually have an 80% task list. If something earns the right to be on the front of my 411, it by definition is a big rock. It by definition is a priority. Everything else gets put on the back. I still have it. It's a parking spot. But if it's on the front, you're giving it permission to say this is inherently a true priority for me. Make sense? Just get it on one page. I almost never look at the back page, by the way. And guess what happens when I don't address all the 80% work? Nothing. The world continues to spin. It's shocking. It's really amazing. I mean, when I was talking to an agent who was like, but I got a call from a client at 7.30 p.m. when I was with my family. I had to answer the phone. I said, did you have to answer the phone or did you tell yourself the story that you had to answer the phone? Well, wouldn't they get mad? I don't know. How good of a job did you do setting expectations? Do you guys make a promise to your clients when you start working with them? Are you setting expectations as to what they should receive from an experience standpoint? Are you setting expectations that you will be asking for the referral, that you will be the real estate solution? Yes. Yeah. What would it take to set an expectation around when you are available and when you are not available? Do you think you can do that? Is it possible? Yeah. When I first moved here to Austin, um, it was about 6.30. I was leaving the office. I was driving home, and I called my agent because we were hunting for houses. And I got a voicemail. Hi, you've reached Jennifer Lewis. If you're calling after 6 p.m., I'm being present with my family. I return all calls the next morning. If it's urgent, please send me a text message. And in that moment, I had this little negotiation with myself where like, there was the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. It was like, ooh, but you need to talk to her. But do you really need to talk to her? Yes, I need to talk to her right now. But do you really need to talk to her, Jeff? Uh, I just want to talk to her. <laughs> Guess what? She called me back the next morning. Still got a great house. Still got a great deal. And she had managed my expectations. She told me early on that I will show up fully for you to my highest capacity. And just as I commit to show up fully for you, I commit to showing up fully for my family. Here's how this works. At 6 p.m., I shut it down. If it's urgent, send me a text message because I have a batch at night where I, I triage those texts. Hopefully, you'll respect my time with my family just like the way I would respect yours. Any ahas? One of the biggest thieves of productivity is the inability to say no. We tell ourselves the story. We come up with every excuse possible about why we think we can't say no when really we're just choosing not to. Interesting, huh? All right, so your goals are written as specific, measurable actions that accomplish the result. Your 411 is a must-do list, not a to-do list. This is the next one. Are your priorities in order of priority? When uh, one of my first state of the company meetings with Gary and Jay, I had to present my GPS, my vision for the company, and had to get them to buy into it, which was a little nerve-wracking, um, trying to get Gary to approve my pitch. I showed him my GPS. Three priorities. One, two, three. We start talking about number one. Gary and Jay ask a bunch of questions. I answer them. I say, we good? They go, yeah. So we start talking about number two. About halfway through number two, Gary starts asking more questions about number one. I don't think anything of it. I answer the questions. I say, are we good? He goes, yeah. I finish up number two and I start talking about number three and Gary starts asking more questions about number one. At this point, I'm feeling like I'm the only one in the room that doesn't know what's going on, but I didn't know what to do. So I answered the questions. I said, are we good? He goes, yeah. 
I'm talking about number three for no more than 10 seconds before Gary stops me a final time. And he says, quick question. Do you need to do number three to do number two? I said, no. He said, do you need to do number two to do number one? I said, no. He said, do, do me a favor. Um, put a line between number one and number two, or even better, just, just rip the page in half. Don't even think about number two and number three until you've earned the right to by mastering number one. I had been telling myself this story that I had to take action on this, and I had to take action on this, and I had to take action on this because I wear more than one hat, right? Yeah, but I know what my one thing is, and I don't earn the right to focus on anything else until I accomplish my one thing. If we look at your 411 and I was sitting next to you and I said, you know what? You only get to do that this week. That's it. That's the one thing that you get to do all week. And then I require that you sit by yourself and not do anything for the rest of the week. Would that be the one thing? And should you earn the right to focus on anything else? Would that be number two? Should you earn the right to focus on anything else? Would that be number three? What's crazy is for the last six months, I've been going through these points every single week with our members. And every single week, I still find somebody who goes, oh, if I could only do that thing, no, that actually wouldn't be number one. Are your priorities in order of priority? Here's the payoff of this. All those little slivers of time throughout the day, when you're wondering, what should I be doing right now? When you find yourself on social media or checking email, you ask the question, what's the one thing? And all you have to do is look at the piece of paper and go to the thing that has a number one next to it. And if it's not crossed off, you stop thinking and you start acting. We give ourselves too many opportunities to make choices throughout the week instead of time blocking a single time during the week where we make all the decisions for the week, and then it's just execution time. This is why I say the average person takes back control 24 to 32 hours a month in the first 30 days. Because all those little times when they're like, oh, what should I be doing right now? And then they go and check email. They just, they just stop doing that. They just start taking action. And then they finally realize that when they just do this and they say no to checking email or they say no to talking at the water cooler, they say no to um, being on social media, just until they earn the right to by knocking this thing out, they realize that everything's okay. The world does keep spinning. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else is easier or unnecessary? So your goals are written as specific measurable activities that accomplish the result. This is a must-do list, not a to-do list. And your priorities are in order of priority. This last one's the real whopper. Does your calendar reflect your priorities? How many of you have ever done a 411 ever? Okay, so you invested your most valuable resource, more valuable than money, your time, to get some level of clarity on your priorities. And then how many of you, right after you did the 411, just followed your calendar exactly how it was? There was a meeting, so you attended. Every single one of us. You make the investment of your time to get clarity on your priorities, and then we, it's like we go, oh, good, now that that's done, now what am I going to go do? Right? We, we, we follow our calendar blindly like we're sheep. Can you attend the meeting? Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> At what grade were you taught that your calendar was this document that was etched in stone, carried down from a mountain by Charlton Heston, and told, thou shalt follow. Oh, we, we weren't? A calendar is a flexible document, people. It's a living, breathing document. What would it take for you to, on Sunday, to look at your calendar, to look at everything that's on it, and to delete it all mentally? To completely wipe the slate clean, to look at your 411 and say, great, this is my number one priority. I'm going to time block that first. If doing the most important thing is the most important thing, why would you do anything else? If doing the most important thing is the most important thing, why would you do anything else? I don't care if there's a meeting on your calendar. Is it your one thing? 
Can you schedule that first? And then schedule all the other stuff in the time that remains. I just think in society, we often look at what's on the calendar and then we ask the question, great, where do I squeeze this in? Which what our actions are really demonstrating is how do I do all the stuff that doesn't matter so I can then hopefully free up the time to do the thing that matters most? That you don't want. <laughs> she just goes, dang. <laughs> can I do all the stuff that doesn't matter so I can hopefully free up the time to do the things that matter most? Does that seem backwards? How many of us are voting that way with our actions right now? Yeah. So let's think big, then let's go small. One of the biggest mistakes you can make walking out of this talk is to think that you're going to flip the switch and all of a sudden you are time blocking master. I have never had a single day in my entire career working directly with Gary and Jay that I have acted perfectly in order of priority, ever. Not once. I already failed today. I was responding to emails this morning instead of proactively sending emails out. And I knew I was doing it, and it even made me feel stick to my stomach, and I still did it. I'm the guy who teaches the class on it, and I still failed. Okay, so I share this with you because I want you to know it's okay to fail. It's a matter of are you failing forward? What's your baseline right now in terms of how much time each week you're investing in your most important work? And how do you get just a little bit better tomorrow? Because... The whole idea is that I'm not asking you to knock down a million dominoes. I'm asking you to knock down one domino. Because when you do one thing, the right thing, it topples over many things, right? It's about getting a win under your belt. It's about proving to yourself that you can do this, even on the smallest level. I've been talking for probably close to 30 minutes now, and I haven't really seen anybody check their email or talk to a client You've all intentionally said no to the outside world so that you can be present here with me. Thank you. You've already proven to yourself that you can say no, that you can channel your focus into something. It's a matter of bringing intentionality to the things that you've got clarity on. How many of you are married? How many of you, when you were standing at the altar, had your cell phone on you? Lance. <laughs> <laughs> We, we inherently understand that there are times where it's appropriate to be connected to the world, and there are times when it is not appropriate. Nokia. Like a funeral. <laughs> so we, we all have the capacity to do this. It's a matter of how do you now flex that muscle with intention in an area of your life that actually matters. Hey everyone, we hope you are enjoying this keynote that I gave here recently. A lot of what we are talking about here, folks, is going to be covered in much greater detail at our live event, the One Thing Goal Setting Retreat. It's happening November 30th and December 1st. It's right around the corner and we are getting to the point where tickets are really starting to move. We do see this thing selling out. So if you have been on the fence around this thing, make sure you go to the onething.com slash event and learn more about it. This is gonna help you escape your environment and get clarity on your life's goals. We're not just talking about goals for the next year. We're talking about the things that actually matter to you to live an extraordinary life in all areas of your life. And then to have a system and a model in place to ensure that you make the right progress in 2018. This is modeled based on something Jay Papazan has done with his wife, Wendy, for the last decade. And it has really shaped so much of their vision and what they have accomplished. Go to the onething.com slash event and make sure you get your tickets now. We have people who are bringing their entire team. We have couples coming. You really want to make sure that you're going to be there. The onething.com slash event. You know what? Everybody pull out your phones. I put mine in the office for you. Gold star. <laughs> that was a trick question. Everybody who just reached for their phone actually failed. Jake, no. just kidding. No. Um, look at your calendar. We're going we're gonna to have an aha moment right now. I want you to find one thing that is on your calendar in the next two weeks that you can cancel. And that comes in one of two forms. Either A, you are flat out canceling it and not rescheduling it. Or B... You're saying, I'm sorry, I now have a conflict. Can we reschedule? You're still saying yes. You're just saying yes later. You're kicking the can down the road. Here's what happens. When you do this, you prove to yourself that you're actually in control of your time. 
which you then realize that you've subconsciously given control of for almost your entire life. This is about taking back control of your time in as little as one little thing that's on your calendar in the next two weeks. Can everybody do this? Can everybody do this? There you go. I want to make this interactive. What questions do you have? Because I'll I'll talk forever, but I'm not going to pretend to know where you need help most, so I'm just going to ask. A year or two ago when they talked 411, it had four columns. Now it's condensed to personal business, which is probably pretty good, but... Was there a change in thoughts? Um, you know what? We actually, if you down, if you go to the one thing.com and click on the free stuff tab and you download the 411, it's still going to send you the one that has the four weeks at the bottom. I have found um, for myself personally, people have the habit of just looking at what was on last week and moving it forward a week without ever asking the question, does it still earn the right to be on my 411 at all? That's, that's not the question. The oh, question sorry. was that you have columns like personal health. Oh, Yes. And now it seems to, once I've seen regular personal and then job or business. Yeah, it's just streamlining it and keeping it more simple. I mean, when I talk about my finances, it's all under my personal. When I talk about my relationships, unless it's a business relationship, it's under here. My health is under here. My spirituality is under here. Professional is professional. Good question. So then does that mean that you're picking health over spiritual to make it one thing? You're number one? <laughs> Good question. Yeah. So one of the first things Jay ever said to me is the fastest way that you can get out of business with Gary and me is to not live the book. The book's all about habits. So what's the first habit you're going to form? In what circle? What area of your life? And I said, well, I really need to form a habit in my spiritual life. I really need to do a habit for my business, for my relationship, and for my finances. He said, great. Love that you think big if you could only choose one. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I really need to do business and relationship, and I think I can do both. He said, great. And if you could only pick one. <laughs> Jay, I can do two. If you can only pick one. I chose business. If I asked you to look back over the last five years of your life, how many truly life-changing, positive power habits have you formed in the last five years? Just shout them out. For me, it was two in five years prior to working with Gary and Jay. Two life-changing, positive power habits in the last five years. How about you? Being present with my family. So one? That's one. Awesome. Audible. How, how many? What's the number? Oh. One. One, one, two. One. How long does it take on average to form a habit? 66 days. 66 days, which means you could do five in a year if it took you 66 days for each. How many rabbits can you chase at the same time and catch one? (laughs) You can only chase one rabbit at a time. What I realize is it's okay to acknowledge that you've got, you need help in all your areas. And to truly affect meaningful change in any of them requires that you focus on one at a time. When Jay delivered that message to me, in my first year I acquired four life-changing positive power habits in one year, when it took me five years to acquire two. And those habits spawned additional habits. Because when you do one thing, the right thing, it topples over many things. So a lot of this is giving yourself permission to acknowledge that you got a lot of work to do, and then thinking big, and then to go small by just focusing on one for just 10 weeks. And then you earn the right to focus on another. So you're saying once it's under your belt, it doesn't need to go up there anymore, because you have that. So I formed a habit in my business, and after about 66 days, it was locked in, and then I, got, I earned the right to focus on forming a habit in my marriage. And when that one was locked in, the business habit was still in place, and I had a stacked another habit on top of it. Then I started forming a habit in meditation. When that was locked in, the marriage habit and the business habit were still there. You start habit stacking. There are the focus. What other questions do you have? And what does it look like if you don't reach your goal? Great question. Thanks. I <laughs> um, Gary Keller never reaches his goals. What's the purpose of a goal? I said this earlier. To be appropriate in the moment. To have clarity on where you want to go someday from now so that you can get clarity on who's the person that you need to become today. What habits do you need to acquire today? Because once Gary realizes that he's on track to his goal, he just raises the bar. 
Lance. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Does Lance happen to spend a decent amount of time with Gary? Mm -hmm. Is it any wonder why Lance thinks that way? There you go. So it's not about necessarily hitting the goal. It's about reinventing who you are today to be the type of person who can achieve those goals. And the moment you're making progress there, you just raise the bar. If you guys start pacing ahead of getting to $2 billion by 2026, do you think that number stays that number? We've already revised it three times. These are pretty big numbers, so. Do you save your 411s and look back on them? I do save them now, where I'll just save. Notice how this has updated 1016. And so I do save versions. I don't go back and look at them too much. Um, I'm not a details person and I'm not very analytical. So I get bored on that stuff. Yeah. But, but, but I know lots of people who do do that. And the more time you spend reminiscing, the less time it takes you to be. I will tell you, one of the biggest hacks that I've learned when I do my 411, and I did this yesterday with a, a woman live in front for our training, is I had her 411 up on the screen, and I said, good, I'm so glad you did this. And then I deleted the whole thing. Ooh. And I said, so... I want you to imagine it's now New Year's Eve 2017 and you and I are toasting each other because you absolutely dominated the fourth quarter. What are the handful of things that you actually did in the fourth quarter that really mattered? Don't even think about your 411. What are the things that really, really matter to you? And she listed two things for her business, just two. And I then undeleted her 411 and said, where were those on your annual goals? They weren't there. <laughs> this is why when I said I, I like to do it this way where I don't have the four weeks at the bottom because people very blindly like sheep just start moving things forward without ever pausing and asking the question does this matter to me anymore yesterday morning I've had the exact my annual has looked almost the same until yesterday I literally wiped it clean and revised this yesterday I did this exercise for myself there was a bunch of stuff on there that I have not been focusing on. I have not been bringing accountability to. It doesn't matter to me. So why is it on there? It's not anymore. Are you giving yourself permission to just wipe the slate clean and ask, what matters? Is it written in a specific, measurable activity that would allow me to accomplish the result? Is it a must-do list or a to-do list? Are the priorities in order of priority? And does my calendar reflect my priorities? Same thing, over and over. What other questions? So what Mr. Money Raker. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest issues I feel like I have is I don't have enough time, right? So maybe I'm just not prioritizing the things that need to be done. But what happens if, let's just say, you uh, set an hour to uh, do something, but then it goes over 30, 40 minutes? Sure. Can you just stop that and say, well, I'll get back to it? Or, I mean, I don't understand. Whenever I hear somebody talking about how I don't have enough time, what they're inherently saying is, I believe everything matters equally. I believe that lead generating is as important to responding to emails. I believe that asking deep questions to my customer about what matters to them in terms of an experience matters as much as sitting in a meeting that I don't want to be in. Until my number one priority is done, everything else is a distraction. If you can. Now, we don't live in a vacuum. You're a part of a team. You're sitting here. Likely listening to me right now is actually not your one thing. You should probably be on the phones. <laughs> so you're, you're inherently acting out of priority by listening to me. So it matters to be a part of a team. It matters to be and support the culture. We choose because of social implications to act out of a priority. At least make it a conscious choice versus an unconscious one. See the difference? Yeah. Chris, when we did our, G when we did our planning events a couple weeks ago, we had an entire agenda, right? Mm -hmm. We had a whole day up till 5 o'clock, right? What was the most important thing that got done that day? The GPS itself. And did we do anything else because we didn't get it done until 4.46 p.m.? <laughs> I learned very early on that when I meet with Gary, I better have an agenda. It better be numbered, and it better be in order of priority because you're likely not getting off number one. And the last time, and the last time that I did not put them in order of priority because I said I want to squeeze this stuff in at the beginning so that we can get to the one thing, um, he stopped meeting with me for a while. 
Jay makes it very intentional every time he goes over 411s with people that he always focuses on the personal first. His feeling is that if you get the personal stuff taken care of, yeah. the rest of it Correct. pretty easy. Correct. So I remember Gary drawing on a sheet of paper. He drew three little circles. And he said, "If let's, we'll use the balloons. If this balloon right here this represents you, everything you could possibly ever want out of life fits into this balloon. And that balloon represents you. Everything you could possibly ever want fits in the size of that balloon. And if that balloon represents Lance and everything he could possibly ever want out of his life, is there any way that you can have everything you want and actually stay inside of Lance's world without taking away from him? No, because it's the same amount. Gary has started asking a bigger question. How do I give myself permission to make my world so big that you can step inside my world, have everything you could possibly ever want, and stay inside my world? This is not just professional. This is personal as well. If I'm not able to make my wife, and this is very transparent, my wife and I have not been on the same page about money, which has created tremendous strain in the relationship, has created strain in the finances, right? So that has then subconsciously made me want to make certain decisions about our business to afford a lifestyle. A good business owner does not make short-term decisions to afford a lifestyle. They put themselves in the position so they can make the right long-term decision for the best of the company. So if Jay does not help me figure out how to get my wife and I on the same page in terms of money, how can I be the best CEO I can be? He has to figure out how to help me have everything I possibly ever want and remain inside their world. So what's that area of your life that may have nothing to do with professional that's actually in a mess right now that you're really struggling and because of it, you're not showing up as the highest version of yourself in business? That's when whoever you report to, it's frankly their obligation to help you succeed there. And what do you think happens to loyalty and retention when, that, when they do that? You never leave, right? I knew I was going to get a tear today. Didn't think it was going to be from me, but yeah. <laughs> happens, right? What else? You're going to leave here. New Year 411. New Year 411. You're going to be very excited. Uh, there's going to be novelty around this, right? You're energized right now. And then about two weeks is going to go by, and the novelty is going to wear off. And you're going to get bored. And then the world is going to start attacking you, literally. It is going to feel that way. What's the one thing that's going to be most likely to distract you or attack you that we should talk about right now? How do you politely tell someone, no, I need to focus on this right now without coming off crass? Can you give me a real situation? Like when you're in the zone and you're really getting after it and someone comes into your office just to small talk and... You don't want to be rude about it, but you're really focused on what you're doing, and they might even have a valid point on something that you can help them with, and because of my personality, I want to help, but it's not my one thing. So let's answer that two ways. How do you actually have that conversation? I'm going to ask you a different question before I answer that. Okay. What's the one thing you can do proactively so they don't even come in? Close the door. And what's the one thing you can do to make sure that they don't knock on the door? Put a sign up. Put a sign up. Okay. What are some other options? Earbuds. Earbuds. I experience this firsthand with Jay all the time. Jay's one thing is writing, writing books. It's the reason Jay's not running the company and I am. Jay's not a CEO, he's a writer. When Jay's about to go into his writing time block, he knows that um, I'm a social human being trapped in a corporate office with a bunch of introverts and that I need some vitamin G, which is when Jeff just needs some cuddles, right? <laughs> so he will tell me proactively, hey, Mr. Social Butterfly, I'm about to go into a writing time block for two hours. Do you need anything right now, or can you wait till later? All good, Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome. <laughs> right? It's just proactively communicating. Now, here's what happens with my assistant all the time. I have an executive assistant. Her job is to support me. And if you ask her what's the one thing that's most likely to stop her from getting her most important work done, she will say it's me. <laughs> I am the problem. What do those conversations look like when in the middle, when she's in the middle of doing her one thing and I'm going up because I'm just excited about something and I just want to talk? She looks at me and she says, Jeff, my one thing is blank. I'm hearing you say you need help with this, which is the priority. 
at which point I usually just tuck my tail and run away. <laughs> right? Now, that's if somebody reports to you. What do you do when it's a colleague, somebody who's at the same level you, or even a superior, right? This is just when it's a matter of saying, yes, I would like to help you, and I'll be available in two hours. Somebody just shared this in our community yesterday. They, they've been petrified to say no. And at 4.30, she was packing up to go to her daughter's rehearsal. And somebody senior to her emailed her saying, I need this legal brief written and I need it by the time we open business tomorrow morning. And this woman has a track record of, inher- of always waiting to the last minute and then asking for something yesterday. And the woman took what we've been training her on and she said, yes, I would love to help you. And I'm not going to be able to address it until tomorrow afternoon. And she got an e- She woke up the next morning to an email saying, oh, don't worry about it. I took care of it. Wow. Yes, and I'm going to do it on my time. Mm-hmm. So how do we think big and go small? Just like with taking control of your calendar. I told you to cancel one thing. Doesn't mean you have to cancel it outright. Just push it into the future. Can you prove to yourself within the next seven days that you can say no to somebody once? That when a client asks for something, like who, who's talked about going for no 17 times? Is that you? Yeah. Can you, when they ask for something by a certain date, can you just inherently ask them to push it back two days just to see if they'll say yes? Just to prove to yourself that you can do it. You will be amazed. <laughs> Most of the time when people are um, delegating things or asking for something, they're just clearing the decks. They don't actually need it right away. They're just getting it off their plate and putting it onto yours. And you're telling yourself the story that it's inherently the one thing now without ever asking. I'm watching your body language. You're like, oh, so true. (laughs) What's most likely to stop you from taking action on this? What are some other things? Your phone? How so? Texts come in. Notifications. Jay and I were, were talking about this. You've got some of the smartest people on the planet who wake up every single day and try to figure out how to command your attention through a phone. I don't know about you. I'm not going to try to compete with them. So I just change the game. When I'm going into my time block, I ask the question, is this a time that I should be reachable by phone? No. So I text my wife and say, I'm putting, turning my phone off for the next hour. If you need me, text an S. Who's my assistant? I've never gotten a call, by the way. Put the phone on do not disturb. Put it on airplane mode. They just did a study in the Wall Street Journal on this where just even having the phone in the same room, and even if you're not looking at it, absolutely crushes your productivity because you're just thinking about the phone and you're not being present. Not even having it out on the table. I'm talking about having it in the room with you. That's why you've just been knocking the comments out. Your phone's not even in here. It's a new thing I'm working on. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes saying no to your phone is just silencing it. And can you prove to yourself for five minutes that you can put it on silent or turn it off and prove to yourself that the world doesn't actually fall apart? And if you can do five minutes, can you do 10? And if you can do 10, can you do 20? And can you work up? What most people find, and this is for, especially for people who, who we see who work in big corporate companies, um, when they start doing this, they start getting promoted because... When you're a leader and you see somebody who takes control of their time, it's impressive. When Gary interviewed Jay, one of the first things he did is he asked to see Jay's calendar. And luckily, Jay is an introvert, so he didn't have much on there. But what Gary was testing is, is this the type of person who actually controls large blocks of their time to get their most important work done? If we looked at your calendar, would we hire you? Do you ever feel like you're so focused on the future that you forget to be present in the moment and appreciate everything you have? We know that stopping to celebrate the moments that matter is required. And it's the purpose behind Java Press Coffee Company, who's the sponsor of this episode. Everything Java Press does is designed to help you enjoy a moment that you craft for yourself every day. What's unique about their coffee is that it's organically grown, ethically sourced, and is roasted fresh to order. That means after you place your order, they roast your beans and ship them to your doorstep so you get the absolute freshest coffee you can get. To craft your next moment that matters, go to the onething.com slash coffee and use the coupon code one thing to get 15% off your first three months of shipments. That's the onething.com slash coffee and use the coupon code one thing. 
I set the expectation at the consultation, the very first time I meet a client, I let them know. And I actually don't silence my phone because they can hear it going off and I don't even look at it and it's off to the side. And I tell them, you know, when, when you're trying to reach me, the only time I don't answer my phone is if I'm in an appointment. They don't even know whether it's personal or business. Yeah. In an appointment or I'm asleep. But I promise you, I will get back in touch with you the moment I am free. And, uh, and I tell them, you hear my phone? It's been going off. You see, I don't even look at it. I know that somebody's trying to get in touch with me. I have two people that you can reach. If you cannot reach me, here's their names. Here's their phone numbers. But I promise you, I will get back to you as soon as I get up. How many clients have you worked with in your career? <laughs> thousand. Okay. How many of them have gotten upset because you did yeah, that? Absolutely. What? The thing, though, that Joy does and that we all struggle with is following up after we've had that appointment. It's, it's great to set the expectation. The follow-up is where it's key. And if you're going to be in an appointment, the first thing you should do before you drive away from that appointment or drive away from that client is check your phone and take care of those messages first and foremost so that you can go on with the next appointment. That's where I think our biggest struggle is right this second because we set the expectations <coughs> during the consultation and then we don't follow through. So my solution to that is I actually have it time blocked right up at the appointment to give myself that you know, admin time or whatever, follow-up time. Here you go. You're, you're just going to take over. <laughs> so what I'm hearing you say is when you schedule an appointment, you immediately schedule a batch right after that to triage all that stuff. How many rabbits can you chase at the same time and catch any one of them? How many of us are trying to chase two rabbits, being in an appointment and being responsive to everybody else, and we're not doing a world-class five-star job at either of them? Versus saying... Appointment time, five stars. Follow-up, five stars. Oh, and Tara and I also have on our voicemails that if you can't reach me, if it's urgent, here's who you need to contact. So she has Lance on hers. I've got Ashley on mine. So what I am hearing you say is that you made a promise to them at the beginning. You set expectations about how you were going to work. And you kept following up and reiterating the promise to them. Do you guys do that anywhere else in your business? Right? It's one of your goals for next year, right? Isn't it the one goal? Let's talk about the 411 again before we wrap. How many of you um, learned something about what you can do differently with your 411? Now, and this is this is safe place, transparent. How many of you do a 411 every week? You revise it every week. Okay. What's the purpose of the 411? To have absolute clarity on your priorities for the week. Let's go back to what would happen in your life if you had absolute clarity on your priorities for the week. I heard I'd be more present with my family. I heard I'd make more money, be able to grow a bigger business, make a bigger impact. You know, all the things that we actually want out of life that actually matter to us happen when we have clarity on our priorities. How often do you think you should be doing your 411? Every week. I revise it every week. And then I have it open on my computer. If my computer's on, the 411 is on. And I have it printed and I have it with me. And I have never, by the way, had a single week where I printed this thing out and showed it to Jay. And within 60 minutes, that it didn't start to look like my four-year-old got a hold of it with a pen. That's why you show your 411 to somebody else. It's tough to read the label when you're inside the box of your own life. He's writing on it or you're writing? I'm writing on it. He's asking questions that made me go, oh, right? So I look at the stuff that's on the back and I say, it needs to get done. Does it need to get done by me? And I leverage it to virtual assistants, which are super, super cheap. I remember really early on a mentor saying, if you want to be a millionaire, you better act as if. And millionaires use leverage. This is when I, my bank account was almost at zero, by the way. And I found out that I could hire somebody virtually for less than five bucks an hour. I just wanted to prove to myself that I could leverage something. It was interesting when I started doing that. I started making more money. So, and does it really need to get done? Here's an interesting exercise. If we were to look at your 411, I do this about every other week with our members now. If we were to look at your 411 and we look at number one and ask the question, how much time would you actually have to time block and protect to get number one done? For me, that answer right there is five hours. And if I look at all the things in number two, that's an hour. 
that's an hour, that's an hour. If I look at number three, that actually takes zero because it got leveraged. That would take half an hour. I'll give that 1.5 hours. And if I look at this one, I'll give it another hour and that's being generous. So if I look at what it would take to have one of the most extraordinary weeks in my entire professional career, it would take me a total of nine hours, one work day to have the most extraordinary week in my entire professional career. That puts things into perspective. Doesn't it? She said that puts things into perspective. So the real question is, what the heck are we doing with our time? One day a week is what percent of a work week? 20%. Oh, interesting. It takes 20% of my week to get my 20% work done. Almost always holds true. There is enough time to do it all. It's a matter of are you clear on what matters most? And do you learn to develop the habits to actually control your time so you get those done first? Our membership community that we do, this is the core of it. It's all built around the 411. And when we do an onboarding sequence, we manage the expectation that it may take you at the beginning an hour or less to really go through it because you're actually having to sit and ask the questions, is this stuff in order of priority? You're actually having to go through goal setting to the now and work all the way through. But once you're a few weeks into this, we're finding on average people are investing 30 minutes or less doing their 411 and it's leading to them taking back 24 to 32 hours a month. So initially time bought an hour. Hour, hour and a half. Hour. Yeah. And it's not about how much time do you need to or should you, it's how much time can you. How much time can you actually control to focus on this? Start there. Prove to yourself you can do it. Okay. Yeah. Jeff, when you say membership, I'll hang so we create implementation programs that people pay for. So we have a program that's called Living Your One Thing, and it's 30 bucks a month. And the 411 is at the core of it. Every other week, we do a live check-in where I'm literally live tearing somebody's 411 up and giving coaching on that. So that's, that's what it is. And then there's a big training portal behind it that has all, like, all those things about saying no. That was an entire month of September that there's just modules built around it. So the whole idea is you take back control of your time. It's a dollar to try it for seven days, and then it's 30 bucks a month. No contracts, just month to month. But the whole idea is we're trying to build a big community and movement of people who are actually taking back control of their time because that will underwrite our ability to build technology that will help people take back control of their time. And everything that we're doing is paving that road. So that's what we do. The other thing that's coming up, we have a live event at the end of November. If you go to the onething.com slash event, it's a goal-setting retreat if it's of interest. One of the most powerful things I've heard from Gary in two years, he looked out at a room of people and he said, most of you will fail to really succeed at a high level for one reason. You're unwilling to endure the monotony of success. Success is not chasing the new shiny object, trying the latest script, doing the latest program, latest fitness fad diet. <laughs> it's about getting really clear on the handful of things that you can do over and over and over again that ultimately produce extraordinary results. You want to be successful in this business? Simple. Lead generate. The end. You lead generate enough, you're going to have a big business. The challenge is, like we talked about, two weeks, you're all excited. Then you get bored. Then the world attacks you. The question that we have for you is, What's the one thing that you can do to endure the monotony of success when it comes to the 411? Thank you for your time. Well, there you have it, the training that I did for the Loken Group down in Houston, Texas. Folks, we covered a lot in this one, and I think one of the things I really enjoyed about this particular training was the ability to interact closely with a group of people, to figure out exactly what they're struggling with and to share a different perspective. I know that it made a big impact down there and I'm hoping that it's, that it's helping you with whatever you're struggling with right now. Where we're curious is, what is that area? Send me an email, jeff at theonething.com. Let me know the value that you got from this because um, we have a we've made a commitment to ensuring that we interact with you and that everything that we do help you live an extraordinary life 
by living your one thing. The next logical step for some of you may be coming and joining us here in Austin this November 30th and December 1st for our One Thing Goal Setting Retreat. Go to the onething.com slash event to learn more about it. And if it's not a fit, that's totally cool. What's the one thing that you heard in this episode that you can take action on? As always, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, we're always asking you the same question at the end. What's the one thing you heard in this episode? that really struck you, that you can take action on, such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary. Folks, the reason we say this in every episode is because it's that important. You just invested your most valuable resource, your time, to listen to this. Will you guarantee yourself a return on investment by taking action? Like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, If it would be of interest to have us come and speak at your organization or your conference, go to theonething.com, click on the about page, and there is a form that you can fill out there and our team will circle back with you. In the meantime, please hit that subscribe button. That way you make sure all future episodes automatically get downloaded to your device. And to those of you who have left us a rating and review recently, thank you. It means so much. We love your feedback. And if you have not yet done that, please go ahead and do that today. Thanks so much. And we look forward to sharing more time together in the next episode. 